Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Regina's only downtown brew. Well, John, I'm going to have to be completely honest with you. In, during the flurry of trade activity during the CFL this week, I did receive some offers for your job, as there were apparently oh. some people interested in your services. Now, I couldn't accept any of the trades, not because I didn't think the value was fair. In fact, the value was probably too good that even though okay. we have no official affiliation with the CFL in any way whatsoever... I think Commissioner Randy Ambrosi would have stepped in and said, no, this trade is far too unfair. This is far too good for the three-down greencast, so I will have to nix this trade. Wait wait, wait a minute. Far too good for the three-down greencast? You mean this this would get much better if I got traded off the cast? I think we've proven that with the one episode where Ariel stepped in for you. So It's, it's true. Still our most downloaded episode. Well, I'm glad, Joel. I'm glad you're a man of your word. And a man of whatever contract we have drawn up on the back of a bar napkin here, probably next time I see you face-to-face. But uh, I'm glad I'm still around. I'm still here to do the thing where we talk about the stuff. Yeah, surprisingly, there were people willing to give up assets for some reason, and I think that was just, it would have been far too much. I would have never have gotten away with it. So here we are once again, the three-down green cast with Joel Gasson and still... John Fraser until we can find a better situation. Until Ariel, you know, like, has to not work as much or something, or, you know, somebody comes around. But hey! Or maybe if I ever level. Or if I ever find the guts to just do this myself. I don't know. Fair enough. I know I'm quite replaceable. I am like, I am like that, like, shortstop that bats 200 that, you know, maybe there's something better out there. But you just kind of stuck with me in the time being. Just ask Travis, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Oh, okay. I got roasted. I'm gonna get some burn ointment for that one. Thank you, Joel. So we got, as usual, a fair bit to get to in this episode. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders are above the 500 mark thanks to a win in Hamilton, proving all the critics wrong in the process. And um, some more rider news today, as what seems to happen on Tuesdays, which has been lucky for us. So I did not jinx it. I did not jinx us last week when I said something would happen after we record because they practice again today on a Tuesday, as we normally record on a Tuesday. And uh, some a uh, little bit of info coming out of practice today that uh, I know will make John and very us uh, many others very happy as well. 
And we'll get into um, some trade of some guy that happened in the CFL this week. And uh, also Sean Lemon and Darius Bowman being traded as well. So mm-hmm. lots of chatter to get to there uh, in our look around the CFL. It might be a little longer than usual because it's it's a little more interesting than kind of what's going on in Saskatchewan right now. As that tends mm-hmm. to happen after kind of strong wins, so to speak. <laughs> but yes. as usual, before we get to all that, John, uh, what's in the old glass this week? The old glass, I'm going back to my beer of the summer, as I proclaimed it about a month ago. That is the Pile of Bones White IPA. Picked myself up some more over the weekend. Did a couple projects around the house. Or more, my wife and her dad did a couple projects around the house while I did dishes, cooked, and uh, watched the boy. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I but I still think that I deserve a Pile of Bones White IPA, and that's what I'm drinking tonight. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you did hard work, too. That stuff's important. Uh, it's important. Well, 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 no, it was my my mother-in-law was here too, so she did most of the watching of the child. I just like uh, hauled boards in and out. Well, my wife and father-in-law completed the baseball boards. Okay, so maybe you did nothing. That's fine. I, I did very little. I do not deserve this beer whatsoever, but it's tasty in my mouth, and I'm going to drink it anyways. As for me, I am also uh, enjoying a beer from the official sponsor of the Three Down Green Cast Pile of Bones Brewing. And it's the Cranberry Kettle Sour back in cans after a bit of a brief hiatus because, well, they ran out. But uh, it's back for now and hopefully back for good as it's just it's just tart and delicious and refreshing. Even though it's cooled off a little bit, which is a little weird as of late. But uh, even if it's not scorching, it's still just a great, easy drinking beer. So mm-hmm. as we uh, mentioned, the Riders, winners once again, uh, completing the ultra-rare back-to-back home-and-home series with a bye week in between against the Hamilton Ticats. Um, John, what on the surface, I guess, is where this team is sitting at right now. We'll talk big picture for a little bit. After that win against the Hamilton Ticats, what do, you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think of this team right now? Where do you think they're headed and kind of where, where are they at right now, basically? Well, I, I really think that they're trending upwards. You know, I, I think the defense has uh, come to play this year and really shown they are kind of what we thought they were going to be. That was, you know, dominant. They've looked that so far. The offense, I think, is starting to figure it out and starting to get a little chemistry. Um, they're not making you cringe every time they're on the field. I think um, much a, a couple things made me happy. And, I mean, you said as much and several of the – quote-unquote credits have said as much about this team that hey maybe stick to one quarterback and run the ball a little bit more and it could lead to wins and that's exactly what they did they let Brandon Bridge I know Watford came in for a series but they let it be the bridge show let him figure it out he looked more confident I like the fact that they're running the ball obviously highlighted by the Marcus Thigpen 80-yard rushing touchdown which uh I was glad because I have him in CFL fantasy, and that was his only touch of the ball. Uh, I would like to see him get a few more touches. I know ratio, blah, 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 blah. But needless to say, I I think this is starting to look like the team that maybe we would expect them to be. Uh, We've called on this this podcast the opening of the season a bit of an extended preseason before we get into the meat and potatoes. And I think the team is starting to round into form at the right time as they get into six straight against the West. Yeah, and we'll get into it in a little bit, just how important this next stretch is. And I think it's uh, eventually, I think I've said this for the last three weeks, right about how this stretch is going to probably define this team this year. Um, but mm. yeah, it's hard not to look ahead right now and say, okay, 
Are things great in Saskatchewan? No, but they're not bad. There's, there's things that are working in the right direction, and that's generally, at least with his time in Saskatchewan, that's how Chris Jones' teams have been. It's not about how yeah. you start, it's how you finish, right? And for them, it's the process of the year of starting at one point and finishing at another. And other than year one, we saw that last year, they had a slow start, and we're starting to see it again a little bit this year. Not quite as slow of a start, obviously. And there's still question marks, I think, about the offense, because, I mean... Brandon Bridge, while they while he was efficient passing the ball, the yards weren't really outstanding. They really the offense carried the game for them in that regard because they ran the football so much, which is great. Yeah. When you have such a good defense and you have solid special teams, all you really need to do as an offense is just not loot, just don't turn over the football, don't do anything stupid, and chew up as much clock as you can while you have it because and eventually score some points, you're probably going to win football games. We've seen, you know, it's like mm-hmm. it's essentially the Baltimore Ravens model of back in the day when they had Trent Dilfer and you know, <laughs> these no-name guys as quarterbacks, but were able to make runs at Super Bowls. So that's kind of the model, and I win, think. And win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was trying to not have to admit to that. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't letting you get away with that one. Not after the Travis burn on this one, Joel. <laughs> that was a good burn, though. <laughs> It was extraordinary. If, if, if actually, I'm in a wedding with Travis this weekend. I feel like I need to play that for him, and he'll love that. <laughs> he definitely will. But yeah, so there's still some growing to do in this offense, and if they can ever get Zach Caleros back, that will make a big difference. But I think what we saw in that game was what the potential for this team has, is if the defense mm-hmm. can play well, because that's two games in a row with a bye week in between, where both teams had times to make a lot of adjustments. They shut down one of the best offenses in the CFL, essentially. Like, yeah. for all of the game in Saskatchewan, the, Hamilton had a pretty good first half, but they didn't get a sniff in the second half. So, basically, you give out of six quarters out of eight, the rider defense kept Hamilton basically out of the end zone and gave them nothing. So, that's that's saying something when you consider how well that offense has played all year. The, the weapons they have, the diversity they have in their offense. So, yeah, we know the defense is good. And I think the running the football, I think... Basically sticking with Brandon Bridge, um, I I don't think they were really going to go with Watford. I know Chris Jones does like to mix in his quarterbacks. Even we saw a yeah. little bit with Mike Riley where there were certain packages for Jordan Lynch. Not to the same extreme we saw Watford in the first couple of games under Brandon Bridge since Zach Caleros got hurt. But it's something he does like to do from time to time where he gives his quarterback a series off and then goes from there. So... What we saw in that game, and I think Chris Jones alluded to it, and Rob Van Stone of the Leader Post wrote about it, was that, yes, after the bye week, there was going to be adjustments. Now, naturally, mm-hmm. he's not going to come out and say what those adjustments are, because that would just be downright silly. As much as yeah. we would love for him to admit, oh, yeah, we're going to you know run the ball for 200 yards and do this and that. Well, okay, now Hamilton's <laughs> ready for it, especially when I think, that, I think that quote came out a little earlier in the week than like the day before, so... Yeah, so despite what some people might think about me, where I apparently have some kind of agenda because it took me so long to write the post-game piece after that game. (laughs) And we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit here. Um, When this piece is written and when it's actually published on 3Down Nation are two completely different things, so keep that in mind. Um, So yeah, apparently I'm this guy who hates Chris Jones and I hate the writers and all I want to do is crap all over them whenever I get the chance, but... That's just not. That's just not true, and I'm not trying no. to defend myself here. You're uh, 100% allowed to disagree with everything I write on the site. Do it respectfully. I don't care. But here's the thing: I am paid by the overlords that own Three Down Nation to have an opinion on the Saskatchewan Roughriders and the CFL. 
So that is what I do. And you're allowed to disagree, as I said. And I'm going to write, or on in this case, on this podcast, say what's on my mind and say it how I see it. I'm not going to come out and say I tell it like it is because that's ambiguous and what it is is different to other people. But this is how I see it. And so, in the name of fairness, after the Riders lost to Montreal, I said that Chris Jones was responsible for that tire fire of a football game. Mm-hmm. So I came back after this game and said... Chris Jones was responsible for that big win over the Hamilton Tiger Cats because he was, because he made the correct adjustments. And and, and rightfully so. And I, I, There's a lot of sports writers out there and a lot of podcasters and broadcasters, etc., that no matter what, they'll sit on their hill to die on. So I, I, I'll give you credit for, you know, pointing out and having an opinion on the team that to me is fairly unbiased because you're absolutely right. Jones made some horrific coaching errors in the game against Montreal. And, you know, there was still one that, that I, I'm very optimistic. I'm, gl- I'm glad they won. Like I said, this team is trending upwards. But I still think Chris Jones has a habit of not getting out of his own way look at the Brendan Labatt situation. Mm-hmm. There was no backup offensive lineman dressed. Perhaps the toughest position on the field, and you don't have a backup dress, but let's give a hat tip to, to Brendan Labatt, good old Wayburn boy, all-around good dude, coming out, toughing it out, and really being there and being a big part of that victory over Hamilton because I think if he has to go off the field, if he has to, you know, take the rest of the game off and all of a sudden you've got to convert a D lineman there, maybe it's a completely different story. So Brendan Labatt, you know, hid that mistake a little bit for Chris Jones. But if that's, again, the only mistake that we can really talk about coming out of that game, again, things are going in the right direction. And let's hope that Jones continues to learn from his mistakes and continue, continually move on. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's, it's important that you bring up Brennan Labatt because he was the guy that, other than the coach, he spoke out about that poor practice where you thought it was a little cliche that Chris Jones did it, but clearly something mm-hmm. clicked in that move and it worked. But Brennan Labatt was the guy who stood up in front of the media and agreed with his coach and was saying the right things about that situation and backed it up on the field. There's been some discussion, right. by us included, about whether... Brennan Labatt, where he sits, sits in terms of the stature in of his career, where he is in the rankings in the CFL right now in terms of top players. That's still up for debate, but there's no question in that game, he stepped up and was the best player for that team on offense, perhaps. And he led the way, and if it's very rare that you would consider giving the hashtag POG to an offensive lineman, but I would be very tempted to give it to Brennan Labatt in that game. No, and absolutely. I mean, that just... Brennan Labatt is such a vast improvement, even at this stage in his career, over Eddie Steele, who's been just learning the position. I mean, who has the physical tools to do it, but just learning the position. I know Labatt is so good at recognizing it. I mean, he's he's a true veteran and uh, an all-around great guy, but you're right. I think I think player of the game, I'm with you. I, I think it has to go to Labatt in that one. Yeah, because he's, he's, he backed up what he said during the week, and he, he put it all out there, and he led by, he not only led with his words earlier in the week, he led by example on the field afterward, yes. and that's, that is the sign of a true leader. I know there's been discussions about um, apparent lack of leadership on this team after the number of veterans that were let go, but I think that's downright offensive to the veterans and emerging veterans on this team that have been left behind. Yeah, well, certainly, I couldn't agree more, Joel. So, now we shift the focus. So, they beat Hamilton. They're on a roll. 
they're heading in now to the meat of their schedule. We've had a very heavy across the CFL East versus West opening to the season, which they seem to like to do. So once we really yep. get down to crunch time, it's divisional games and every game becomes this quote unquote four point game and everything matters. So kudos to the CFL for doing that. I know it feels a little strange to open, especially for the riders. They have yet to play a Western team in the regular season this year. Yep. And that feels weird seven weeks into the season or whatever we're at. But Ultimately, it will make the schedule in the back half when things matter better. So yeah, maybe that hurts attendance and ratings and all that early on because when Ottawa is playing BC on a Thursday night, eh, who really cares? Yeah, <laughs> you know it's true. But it, it, it's it's basically okay. We understand. You know, we'll use the weather early and then we'll use the games late to try to get people there. So this is where we are going to find out who this Saskatchewan Rough Riders team is or who they are or however grammatically this works out (laughs) i'm talking right now i'm not writing it doesn't matter um (laughs) you don't have the little green squiggly line to tell you you're wrong right now joel no and drew can't edit me while i do this so (laughs) so um yeah because we i mean especially the next three alone it's calgary edmonton calgary it doesn't really as as often on and weird as edmonton has been so far this year it doesn't really get any tougher than that for this team right now. And they very well, I honestly would not be surprised if they rose to the occasion because we've seen Chris Jones's teams in the past do that before, where when they finally get up against the teams they need to beat, they don't always necessarily win all of those games or a bunch of those games, but they are in those games and they tend to compete hard. So now we will find out finally what this team is. Yeah, and and as I mentioned earlier, I think it is trending in the right direction. You're right. This is all huge. It's just it blows my mind that that this team hasn't played a Western opponent throughout the uh, the early part of the season. But and I even said before the year, if somehow against this Eastern block, if you will, if the team is like one in five, two and four, you know, well below five hundred, even you're probably cringing a little bit you're probably worried going into this but i think after coming off of back-to-back wins over hamilton who so far look like the class of the east at least until they ran into that rider defense back-to-back weeks i think they are going to be well prepared i wouldn't be surprised and i said this on tv humble brag. TV morning live in saskatoon humble brag again um i think i actually think the riders are going to come away with two out of the next three hmm I think they split with Calgary. And I At think old takes exposed. <clears throat> yes, yes, yes. Tag, <laughs> tag them up. However, there needs to be a like at things John Fraser got right Twitter account. It'd be very, very small. That would be like, but what, I feel like three tweets all time? Um, it would have a longer yeah. Twitter break than Dwayne Ford this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something around there. No, you're absolutely right. But I think that, yeah, you're certainly they're certainly in a good spot here heading these three Western games and they're starting to make moves again that we agree with. You alluded to it off the top, the practice report coming out today. No Zach which again, still bad, but Deron Carter finally back on offense, finally back on offense where he is needed the most. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he's moving back to the position he should be playing. 
when they're about to take on the Calgary Stampeders. Oh, there's there's absolutely no question about it. I think I, I think now looking back on it, Chris Jones looked at the start of the schedule and saw a chance to maybe give Duran a little bit of what he wants in this scenario. If he wanted a chance to experiment with something, just in case, because. They came out of they came out of their eastern stretch considering they're missing their starting quarterback and had a receiver playing DB. They came out looking pretty good actually. At the end of the day, yes, they did. they're they're in the middle of everything and that's really all you have to do in the CFL until after, after Labor Day is just hang around. Just don't get so far down that you cannot recover the rest of the season. You just hang in hang in there because right now basically if you look at the CFL standings, there's Calgary at the top. There's Montreal at the bottom. You can say Toronto is kind of close to, you know, their bottom adjacent. They're almost there. Yes. And then there's everyone else. So yeah. it's such a mishmash. Like the power rankings, uh, figuring out the power rankings every week on this site right now is absurd. Because other than one and nine, I have no idea where I'm going basically every week. I'm just like, yeah. uh, I'm kind of looking at what other people are doing and trying to figure this out because it's a mess. Flipping coins, it throwing darts. It's an absolute mess right now. So... They're at a spot where they need to be. They're still very much in contention for hosting a home playoff game this year. So they've, they've hung on there. And now they're going up against the best team in the league. And now it's time to field the best team you can. And that puts Daron Carter on offense. And I think at the same time, not only do you put Carter on offense because he's needed on offense. And you're going to need that offense against the Calgary Stampeders. Who give up like three points a game on defense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at the same time, you put Carter back on offense. It takes him off defense because I think over the last couple of weeks against Hamilton, they found a matchup where they say, okay, he can take on Terrence Tolliver. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Calgary has that guy where you can have Duran follow him around. No, and I think And have success anyway. Right. You can pick a guy, but he's probably going to get roasted. Yeah, exactly. And now Duran's got a taste of it. He's wanted that taste of it. And, and again, I like having that little bit of roster flexibility. Mm-hmm. Although Carter may not be worth a starting defensive back in this league, he's proven that at least he can match up with the other team's third, maybe fourth target if they have to. So again, you now know that you have a guy in your roster that if something happens in your secondary, there's another guy you can slide into another spot so you can continue dressing eight backup middle linebackers. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a whole other thing. But at the same time, yeah, if if in the course of a football game, because they should still have another backup DB on top of the roster, but that's a whole other issue. If you have an injury or two with DB and Jaron Carter needs to flip over to the other side of the ball, that's one thing. Outright starting him with no backups is another. So it appears at this point that that wrong has been righted and the team should be better off for it. I'm not ready to proclaim that it is going to lead to victory against Calgary because I alluded to it, that defense, that defense is right now trending among the best we've ever seen in the CFL. That's how good they are. Yeah. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. But I think the Ryder defense, although behind Calgary's, is in the conversation. It is. And I get it. The but, offenses but, but Calgary hasn't given up like 10 points this year in a game. Yeah. Like, it's but stupid. I, but I feel it's like stupid how good they I, are right I, now. I know. It's it's absurd. But I feel like there's a like a real grinded out like 10-7 to 7 victory for somebody coming. Whether that's Calgary, whether that's Saskatchewan, or a 13 to 13-7. I think you're going to have one of those games that the casual observers will call boring because I think you're going to have a ton of defense on display. And I don't 
know who's going to come out with it. I think it's just going to be a matter of it's going to be tight. It's going to be low scoring, and that's the way it's going to. That's the way it's all going to run down. That's it's probably very likely. It's going the rider defense is going to have to be what decides this football game. I, I don't think that's a hot take there. If the defense has an off day, the Calgary offense is certainly capable of putting up a lot of points. And we don't know even if Calgary's defense has an off day, if the Ryder offense is capable of putting up a lot of points on its own to really carry a team on a game. I don't know. They can be a very good complementary piece we're starting to learn, but I don't know if they can be the piece in this game. So again, like heading into Calgary, uh, heading into Hamilton, it's going to be up to the defense like it has most of the year so far, if they're going to have a sniff in this football game. No, so, you're absolutely right. That's that's kind of, I think, a wrap on the Ryder discussion for this week. And now it's time to talk about a guy that the Riders allegedly had some interest in at some point, and now is a Montreal Alouette, as we take a look around the league, as we do every week here on the Three Down Greencast. And that's, of course, Johnny Menzel. And uh, first and foremost, because of this trade, this means your preseason prediction of Johnny Menzel taking over as the Hamilton Ticats quarterback around week four, I believe, and leading to the Grey Cup is now wrong. Uh, Can somebody add freezing cold takes? Because (laughs) that was a freezing cold take. Yeah, that one one really blew up in your face. That was a spectacular misfire. He's not even on the team anymore, and Mazzoli might arguably be the best quarterback in the league this year. Ooh, there's another hot take. There's, there's, an, there's an argument there. <laughs> there's an you argument. Know, I'll, you could, you could, I'll agree that there was an you, argument there, yes. You could make the case. I think you could lawyer up and make the case. Yeah, but okay, that's fair. All, all that aside, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sure were. So, yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I was pretty vocal on Twitter about this trade, and... Uh, I know a lot of the other guys around the site have as well. Josh Smith of Three Down Nation and the Podski Wee Wee shared his thoughts as well. And I just want to first off say what a great job they've done because I've had just a couple of Hamilton fans come into my feed upset about this and I, I can't possibly wrap my head around how they're upset about this trade, but they are. So I know how I feel, John. I'll probably build off what you say, but your initial thoughts when... Number, I guess not when you just heard that Johnny Manziel was traded, but when the finally the pieces came out and you saw the whole picture of the trade. I okay. At first, I was I was floored with the whole fact that Cavis Reed, a man with almost no draft picks, gave up two more. And then you see the names that are involved. You see Chris Williams. You see Jamal Westerman. Who's I mean Westerman's having himself another Jamal Westerman like season. And then of course the big name Johnny Manziel going back to to Montreal. But, it's more Montreal's offensive line has been terrible this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely terrible. So if you boil down, even if Johnny Manziel isn't in this trade, the way I look at it, you're basically trading the two first-round draft picks for two starting-caliber offensive linemen, which is pretty fair value for them today in the CFL. And you're almost swapping you know, Jamal Westerman and Chris Williams for Johnny Manziel. Okay, Chris Williams doesn't have a quarterback to throw to him, so he hasn't been that effective. And again, Jamal Westerman comes from a, a spot where he's been good, but uh, again, he's American, or pardon me, Westerman. Westerman's a Canadian. There's a major brain fart there. So there's the only thing I don't like is essentially, you know, okay, you're getting the two offensive linemen, you're giving up a Canadian for an American quarterback, but the thing that swayed my opinion on all this is the feed of the spectacular 
talented, hilarious Derek Taylor. So if you start reading through his Twitter feed, he starts making the point that maybe first-round picks in the CFL aren't quite as valuable as you think. So of 67 national starters, 16 this past weekend were first-rounders playing for the team that drafted them, and they came from 13 years of drafts. So to me, I'm starting to think maybe they don't have quite the luster of the first-round pick. And if you look at a long history of uh, of players playing on teams and the guys taking them the first round, there's a lot of first-round flameouts. This isn't a first-round pick like a lot of other leagues. So I started to turn the tide. Again, reading Derek Taylor's comments, and this is a straight rip from him, <laughs> you need a quarterback. You need You need Canadian depth, and you need a quarterback to win in this league. Montreal's still lacking Canadian depth, but now I believe they have their quarterback. I've said it. That was a big part of my hot take when it came to Johnny Manziel, that he would be starting for Hamilton because he is capable of being a starting CFL quarterback and getting a team victories. So Montreal may finally have that piece. I believe they finally have that piece that they've been looking for since Anthony Calvillo. I'm not saying that he's going to be Anthony Calvillo or the greatest player ever like June Jones seems to think. But I do think that Menzel is going to start and play well in Montreal. And he's got a little bit of protection with him now that came along with him from Hamilton. You know what? Montreal had to do something. I, I think this trade is a lot more even than a lot of people are thinking. Because at first it, it looked like a total, total, like, it looked like a total fleecing of Cavis Reed. I think it's a little bit closer than you think. I still think short-term and a little long-term Hamilton wins, but Montreal, for what they need to do now, they also win, right? Hamilton's <sighs> going to win this trade long-term. Montreal's winning it short-term. Uh, well, I don't know if you can say that yet. We don't know exactly what Johnny Manziel is going to be. I know you, you have to say that he's going to be good because of what you've said in the past, but it, it was today Kavis Reed said it that you know draft picks are like lottery tickets, and I... Uh, forget who I was talking to on Twitter about it. I think it might have been uh, Dr. John Miller. <laughs> yeah. and, and it was it was basically, isn't Johnny Menzel a lottery ticket right now too? So you traded two lottery tickets for one. So I, I just, I, I still can't quite wrap my head around it. Like I, I understand that considering how awful Montreal has been for so long and attendance is sagging and all of that. And, you know, Johnny helps short-term with that. And if he plays well and they win games because... Montreal, outside of the Canadiens, loves teams loves teams that win games, and the Alouettes haven't done that consistently since Anthony Calvillo retired. So I get all of that. I just and this is the part that keeps sticking to me is okay. Hypothetically, the next year and a half, and even this half season, depending on what they decide to do with him or how the NFL rules end up working out, if Johnny mm-hmm. Manziel comes in, I think it even plays okay and proves that he can keep his head on his shoulders and not get caught up in everything else about being a professional football player, he's gone again. So you've given, and you've given up two first-round picks well beyond even if Johnny plays out his contract. By the time then, either then, Johnny Menzel is good and is back in the NFL backing up somewhere, or he's garbage and he's out of the CFL, and Hamilton still has yet to take a single first-round pick that you've given them. And for me... For me, that's the problem when you're a team that has been bad for so long, 
You need to find your long-term vision and build it. Because to me, I think some of the other pieces, Jamal Westerman and Chris Williams, while that will affect Hamilton this year, it's not going to be a long-term proposition for them. They're both getting up there. That is what it is. To me, the issue comes down to Johnny's probably not going to be in the CFL for long. So one way or the other, because I do believe that even if he plays okay, someone in the NFL will give him a shot. If he plays great, obviously someone in the NFL is going to give him a shot. And if he's bad, he's going to be gone in a year and a half and never heard from again. So that is where, to me, this deal, and again, everything I said before, where I understand the minute details of Kavis Reed needs to win now to keep a job and blah, 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 blah. But that my job is to analyze. And to me, I like teams that are smart, efficient, and use their assets properly and build a roster properly. And I'm just not seeing it in this case. I'm just not well, seeing. Well, I'm just not seeing the vision of the Montreal Alouettes here. Well, and and normally, and I guess I, I'm dealing from a perspective here. Or my perspective I'm taking is that Montreal needed to do something. They've been the laughing stock of this league for so long. Whatever they've been doing up to this point has clearly not been working. Mm-hmm. I mean, mix it up. Let's try. The way I look at it is, 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 yeah, okay, you're getting rid of two lottery tickets for one lottery ticket. I, I do concede that point, but I think you're getting rid of two pick three lottery tickets and trading it for a max millions lottery ticket. Johnny Menzel has the potential, both on a business side to, I mean, people are going to be, uh, all of a sudden, I had no desire in watching Montreal Alouette games at all. And all of a sudden, Thursday night, I think I'm going to, well, I'll be listening, I'll be on the road for a friend's wedding, but I'll be listening to some of the Montreal game just to see, okay, is he coming in? What's going on? What's happening? You know, I, I think... From that perspective, he's going to give them a shot in the arm because their quarterbacking has been absolutely atrocious. I mean, when you come into the season with Drew Willey as your starter, a guy that was basically jettisoned out of Winnipeg and another trade fleecing, that I think he's going to bring some energy to that team. He's going to, he knows now this is your chance. This is comeback season time. Go ahead and do your thing. And I think he's going to do it. I think he will be in Canada for two years because I think of everything he's done is so toxic to a lot of NFL executives that don't like risk. I think if you get two years of good to great starting quarterbacking out of Johnny Manziel, I think Montreal, that is what they need. It gets them back in the conversation. And let's face it, the East every single year is so weird and wacky, you know, Two games under 500 sometimes could be getting you into the playoffs, and that's all they need to do, get the energy back up around the team. And that's why I think this isn't quite as bad of a trade as I initially thought. That's fair. I, I, I get, As I said, I get that side of it. I just think, and then in two years, and then what? Then what happens? And, and I know football teams don't think that way. You can't think that way, especially in, in the CFL where anything can happen in any given year. I get all that. This is just how I'm wired, though, when I, and I do this across professional sports when I'm looking at trades and deals. And because no, I think no matter what happens, I think we can all agree that Johnny Manziel is not a long-term proposition in the CFL. No. And yes, okay, the numbers suggest, and I'm not blind to that fact that, okay, these first-round picks that Hamilton are getting, while they may be high considering the state of the Montreal Alouettes franchise, they're, yeah. not, they're not guaranteed to be any kind of home-run smash success players that change the franchise, but 
there's still probably going to be serviceable Canadians that will help the Hamilton Ticats longer than Johnny Menzel is going to help Montreal. And to me, that's where the deal will play out, and that's that's kind of how it feels to me. So, I mean, like any other trade, all we really can do is sit back and wait and see. And that's that's just how I see it, you know? Yeah, no, and I, I see your side as well. I, I think long-term it will be a win for Hamilton, but I think short-term it fills an absolute gaping black hole that Montreal has had in terms of a marketable athlete there and in terms of the fact that their quarterbacks basically look worse than me some games. Uh, well, one decision they have made this week is it looks like at least uh, the Montreal Gazette's Herb Zerkowski reporting that Vernon Adams is going to start this week. We probably will see Johnny Menzel at some point, but Vernon is finally going to get his shot because I think all of us across the CFL are just dying to find out what this guy is one way or another. Now, while I don't agree with the Athletics Kirk Penton, I hate quarterback win-loss records. The fact remains... Mm-hmm. Vernon Adams, as a starting quarterback of the Montreal Alouettes, that team has won three games and lost zero. Granted, it was garbage time and weird things happen late in the year when you're out of it, but at the same time, he's won them football games, so he's, I, I can't, it's just some, there's something, obviously, that a lot of coaches haven't liked about him, where I just, I'm just sitting there and like, this is the, another part of the tray that I can't really understand is, okay, you go on and go out and get Johnny, that's fine, maybe at least give Matthew Schiltz and Vernon Adams a couple of games each just to see maybe there's lightning in a bottle there before you sell the farm to get Johnny Menzel. Right, but on the same note though too, if you if you're Montreal and you throw either those guys out out to the fire because again this season is quickly approaching dumpster fire like territory and they continue to suck, you know you know what you got, you know what you got in practice, you know you're you're really just going to regress these guys even further. I think if Johnny Menzel goes out there and sucks, you've lost long term as, as Montreal, but you still got two quarterbacks on your roster that who knows, maybe another they get to sit and, and, and practice and learn the game a little bit more. I know I know Adams Jr. has been doing that for seemingly forever, mm-hmm. but I just think, you know, maybe it shelters those other guys a little bit, too. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, I mean, this yeah. is even a game. This is even a game that Vernon Adams is starting. And have you seen him interviewed this week? No. I mean, he might have been, right. but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the, it, the 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 broadcast rights holder has talked to him a couple times, but the internal propaganda Johnny, team Johnny, has. Johnny. Yeah, but I mean, the the quarterbacks did maybe get some help this week as well with the surprise question mark trade of Darius Bowman. Not so much that he was traded, but the fact that even someone was willing to give up a conditional pick for him. Seemed like a lot when you probably could have waited it out. He would have been cut, and you could have signed him probably for less money than he's already making. Uh, right. No, that's that's fair. But I think ver- I think he's in one of those spots where a lot of these guys take the bonus money up front just in case of a situation like this. So I imagine most of his salary has probably been paid. Just does not look like the same player whatsoever this year. Not with Winnipeg and. Again, a no-risk move for Montreal. No. Uh, from what I understand, they send a very last-round draft pick only if he doesn't continue to suck. If he continues to suck, they probably just get rid of him. Uh, if he's got anything left in the tank, you know, there's the downfield threat that that Montreal lost in Chris Williams uh, that, that I'm sure Johnny Menzel will like to have. So, eh, it's a no-risk move. Uh, but, man, he was really... Just for a guy that's played in Winnipeg before, too, like that looked like such a big signing for the Blue Bombers and just did not work out. And they're jettisoning him early. Yeah. 
Well, I, I think that that's just the move they had to make there. There's other... You might as well put a young guy in that spot and just see what happens instead rather than wasting time and energy on a guy who it looks like his career is probably over. So yeah, that's just what you have to do. And it's I don't know if it's quite the same thing in Toronto with, to me, the surprising trade of Sean Lemon because after that whole thing that happened here in Saskatchewan between him and Chris Jones, he seemed like a really good fit in Toronto. And... It really, his career seemed to kind of take off a little bit again after maybe a little bit of quiet time. But so that one, that one kind of came out of left field for me a little bit. Maybe that's just Jim Pop thinking his team needs a bit of a shakeup. Where okay, who's the big veteran that we can ship out of here? It ended up being Sean Lemon, and so maybe that wakes up their team. And I think this could probably help the BC Lions as well because, as we know, when Sean Lemon has a chip on his shoulder, he tends to be a pretty good football player. Yeah, certainly. And I think that's what happened when he went to Toronto and sent a, you know, I saw him posting a, an emotional message about leaving Toronto. He seemed to really enjoy it there. And you said, you know, fit in and, and, and embrace the team. But he's got, you know what, playoff, when he gets to the playoffs, teams with Sean Lemon win a lot of football games come the postseason. So I like this move by BC. Again, stacking up in a loaded West division here. Uh, I, I brings a veteran, brings a guy who's won into the fold, and they don't give up a whole heck of a lot to go out and get him. It's it's it was it was funny. It was so uncar. It was so un CFL to see several moves with guys whose names you recognize all traded within a week. And I don't know. I kind of liked it. It was fun. It was almost like there was a CFL trade deadline that we hadn't heard about. But even though it's later in the year, it's like it's almost like it's like the baseball trade deadline where there's like seven of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or all the, or another reason number 2,672, I'm glad I'm no longer a sports broadcaster, is trying to get excited for CFL trade deadline day when nobody does anything ever. And you're just sitting there listening to audio, hoping something happens and nothing happens. Well, maybe this year I'll finally get around to trading you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.